Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. This is Pastor Hayden, and I'm with Pastor Evan. What's up? And here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. What a wonderful radio voice you have. Yeah, well, you know, having to, you know, do that a little more these days. You should have heard my first 500 podcasts. I can't. They weren't recorded. <laughs> Amen. Uh, the current series that we are in is God at Work. And last week, uh, we jumped in and learned about what it meant to be diligent at work, looking forward to all that God has for those who are faithful. And this week, we're going to jump back in in week number two, talking about a biblical appraisal of our work according to Colossians 3.25 through chapter 4, verse 1. Let me read that for you. It says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Pastor Evan, we're excited for you to be in the pulpit this week. Uh, what do you have for us in way of the focus of this week's message? We are thinking about the end times in mind this Sunday. Now, you don't really think about that when you first first approach the text, but when you really think about what Paul is saying here, where he's saying that the wrongdoer is going to face justice, and for the master, for them, for them to remember that they have a master in heaven, mainly that Christ is their master, thinking about their future you know, judgment coming according to how they mastered, we need to think about how the end applies to the here and now. And that's going to be the main focus of, you know, Sunday's sermon, knowing that God is fair, just, and impartial should compel each person to work here and now in this present age with the future in mind. And the future being God's final evaluation of everyone. And Pastor Hayden, you mentioned this briefly in your sermon and in your application questions that everyone, unbeliever and believer, will face judgment before God. Now the judgment looks different, and I'll touch on that in the sermon uh, but for the Christian, but we as Christians will have our work evaluated now. We'll be built on the foundation of Christ or the foundation of ourselves. And so for Paul to write to the slaves, and so the wrongdoer is going to be other other slaves, um, but it's to help the slaves to work heartily. Going back to Pastor Hayden's sermon, the main focus of that, the main focus of Paul's exhortation right here is for people, slaves, losses to work heartily for the Lord. And in this moment, to trust in his final judgment on everyone, themselves, but other people who might be covering up their work or not working super well and getting the, the favorite, you know, the favoritism from their boss or their master. And God's saying, no, trust in me and you work heartily for my name and my reputation. And you were, you did a really good job earlier when I mean, we were off, uh, off this recording talking about that particular perspective of, you know, what are we talking about in injustice here? Are we talking about the master to the slave relationship, slave to slave relationship? Uh, could you, so just reiterate kind of what you just said, the way you said it to me about, you know, what is, where is the injustice here in this situation that Paul's addressing? Yeah, this is, uh, was very interesting when diving into the text because right away you think, oh, he's talking to masters. He's not. He's talking to slaves. Now, is he talking to the slave that he's referring to to work heartily? I don't think so. I think he's talking to the he's talking to the slave, saying, "Hey, you see your other sl fellow slaves over there who are 
not really working very hard, who are you know being shown favor and favoritism from their master and, and getting away with it, don't worry. I will take care of it. You instead work heartily in the bounds of, of the law to say, you work heartily for my name. So when they see you and, and see your good works, as Matthew 5 would say, they may give glory to me on the day of visitation and the, the final day when they visit God on their final judgment. Mm, yeah, and that's what it talks about even before. Like we're not working in way of eye service or being people pleasers, but we're doing it sincerely. And uh, we don't have to worry about the... Uh, you know, the uh, favoritism that's being shared to other people because we know that we serve a God who uh, is impartial. That's right. And then he has a warning for the masters to say, hey, you better treat and, or grant justice and fairness to your to the slaves that you oversee because remember this fact, you might be a master of these people, but you also have a master. And then I will judge you according to how I master. And how does how is Christ a master? How does he... Uh, Delegate his work. He does it fairly and justly. He will repay each person according to what he has done. And we see that throughout scripture from Matthew to Revelation, that God will repay each person to what he's done. So masters, keep this in mind. Don't show partiality. Don't show favoritism. Instead, make sure you're giving fairness and justice to each slave. In the in the negative, making sure you, you discipline bad behavior, but also that you reward good behavior because that's what God does. And so the three points of this sermon is going to kind of help us fulfill that this mission to make sure that we you know, keep working heartily for the Lord like last week, but also that we keep in mind God's fairness and so that we can um, work now with the future in mind. And the first thing we do is to make sure that we're, we're trusting in God's perfect justice. We're not taking matters in our own hands. We're not vigilantes like Batman going around, you know, taking justice in our own hands or even, you know, bending the rules at work to get, you know, to get other people in trouble. But instead we're trusting God's perfect justice to be able to say they will be able to face God and and he is the judge of judges. Uh, secondly, we need to make sure that we're treating others how God wants uh, you to treat them. You know, it's not not just like how, how treat others how you want to be treated. It's going, okay, God, how do you want me to treat other people according to what you have to say? My heart is wicked. You need to renew my mind and to make sure I am treating others for masters to their slaves, even slaves to each other and human beings. We need to make sure that we're treating other people how God want us, wants us to treat them with fairness and justice by loving God, by loving other people. And then finally, it's maintaining a proper, humble perspective. It's remembering if you are an overseer of people, if you're a manager or CEO or a parent, you have authority over other people. But remember this humble perspective, you too are a slave to Christ. And so even though you have authority over them, you have an authority of authorities over you. So when we manage and delegate and lead, it's remembering we're following the leader of leaders, Christ, in order to fulfill this. And we have uh, learned that really throughout Colossians is that there is one Lord over all the universe and God has given uh, everything into subjection in Christ. And it really changes the way that we live in our homes and outside in the world. And we've learned exactly how to do that according to the letter to the Colossians. So this is just a great, really a wrap up uh, sermon series because we're almost finished with uh, the main thrust of the letter. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that this uh, weekend, If unless you have... Uh, uh, not listen to this this week, and I'm glad you listened to Pastor Evan preach this uh, on Sunday. 
Uh, now we have uh, some insights that we want you guys to know as life group leaders. There's a lot of them. So maybe, Pastor Evan, maybe pick uh, a couple, maybe pick two that you think uh, would be most helpful for our life group leaders to know going into their life groups this week. Yeah, there's there's several like partiality, but I think you can break that down to to people and, and justly. You know, uh, we want to treat people justly, just being pertaining to you know, be in accordance to what God you know, requires. But the first thing I want to focus on is the word "treat" that you see in your Bible. You know, to treat your uh, your slaves, your doulos, the people you oversee with fairness and justice. And if you have your your Greek lexicon, you're going to see that it's a present imperative, but it's a middle imperative, meaning, as we talked about earlier before, that as you are receiving, you are also giving. So as you're receiving proper justice and fairness from God, as God's representative of authority, you need to make sure that you are giving, you're treating others, in this context, masters of slaves, with fairness and justice, because you are being you are receiving fairness and justice, so you better be giving fairness and justice back. So that's going to kind of a helpful little um, detail that's going to help you kind of explain the text a little bit better for your life group this week. And then thankfully, Pastor Hayden um, did not share this as last Sunday, so I thankfully get to uh, take this on. But the as he explained last week in the last Compass Equip podcast about bond servants and slaves and what that looked like in the first century, I want to do a quick Greek lesson for you guys. I want to read Colossians 3, 22, all the way to verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, because when we see the Greek, we kind of understand Paul's point completely. Uh, if you remember, the word for bond servant in Greek is doulos, which is, means slave. But also, I don't know if Pastor Hayden touched on this, but as a reminder, if, 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 if he did, the word for master is kyrios. And so let me read, every time I see the word doulos or kyrios, I'll read it to you in the Greek so that you can see this and share it with your life group so that you can emphasize the point that Christ is the master, which is what's going, what we're going towards. So beginning in verse uh, 22, doulos, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are, who are your earthly kyrios, or earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the kyrion, the fearing the Lord, the master. Whatever you do, work hardly as for the kyrion, the Lord, not for man, knowing that from the kyrios, Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the kyrios, Christ, the master, Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. Kyrios, masters, earthly masters, treat your doulosses, your slaves, bondservants, justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a kyrion in heaven. And so if you see the Greek there and you'll be able to help your life group see, the main point isn't trying to figure out what is first century slavery look like. The point is Christ is the master overall. And we need to make sure we recognize that and live our work out in accordance to saying we're working for the master of masters. We're working for Christ in this. Those are really great insights to the text. So what if uh, we have we have life group leaders need some helpful cross-references to lead their life group into uh, some deeper understandings uh, of some of these relationships? Where would we turn them? Uh, I'll give you two. First, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. This is Paul ta- talking to the Corinthians. There's people who were trying to slander Paul's name. And Paul is just saying this in verse 4, For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not... Uh, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. And so just making sure, Paul's pointing toward, you're not the judge of me. 
I'm not the judge of me. God's the judge of me. So therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things that are now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purpose of the heart. Then each one will receive his condemnation from God. Com- commendation. Commendation. Thank you. Not condemnation, hopefully. Commendation. Yeah. commendation. There we go. <laughs> and so the point, this good, helpful cross-reference is that with the slaves looking at other slaves who are getting away with sin, God's like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. I see the hit, the hidden things and that each person will receive according to what he is going to be to receive according to what he has done. Yeah. And I like these, uh, these points here because in our culture in today's time, everybody wants uh, justice and everybody wants to push uh, a lot of like justice issues. And, uh, everyone's trying to make all the wrong things right and all the bad things good. And, and although those aren't bad things, uh, although those are, those can be good things really at the end of the day, over and over again in scripture, it says that God is going to pay back the wrongdoer. God is going to be the one who brings all these things to light and he's going to pronounce judgment on them. And so for us, we got to make sure that we don't get caught up in trying to, you know, fix all the ills of society when God has told us that he's going to do that exactingly and, and, and just with all justice, with perfect justice. And for us to make sure that we're doing what God has called us to do. We have a Lord in heaven. He's called us to go make disciples. He's called us to preach the gospel. He's called us to do a lot of good things too. Uh, but when the good things become the main thing and the main thing doesn't stay the main thing, that's when a lot of times that we get uh, really off of the enti- off of the purpose of making disciples. And we got to make sure that we stay on the main thing. And that's hopefully you know where we're going to go this week. And that leads right into my second cross-reference, which you're going to find in your daily Bible reading coming up this week in Luke chapter 11, where this the woe to the Pharisees, where some of these Pharisees try to take justice into their own hands, but Jesus pronounces a woe against them, saying, woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect the neglect justice and the love of God. And so he's saying, you're doing it completely wrong because you're trying to take it into your hands versus submitting to God's plan instead. And so when you're going through you know, preparing for to lead your life group this week, you know, make sure it's kind of like last week, make sure that your life group is focusing on instead of other people and speaking in the third person, they're really challenging themselves and asking the questions like, you know, do I take matters in my own hands with, with work? Do I try to, if I see something wrong, do I jump over the rules in place at my work or the laws in place at my work? Or do I try to take things in my own hands? Even ask ourselves, do I show partiality to other people? Do I favor other people over others? Because in James 2, 1, it says, do not show partiality. Why? Because God doesn't show partiality. And so it's just asking these questions. Do you work and treat others well? Um, do you remember that God is master over everyone? So instead of thinking like, oh, this you know, person, Joe at work, and my boss needs help or my employees need help. No, no, no. What do you need to work on? And you ask these questions in context, not of, you know, do you uh, do you do these things well compared to whoever? No, it's like, do you do these things uh, according to what scripture teaches? Like we're not comparing ourselves, even like the, the slaves and the bond servants in the text, not according to other bond servants, but we're comparing our actions to, to God and to scripture. And we can see how our lives juxtaposed up to the Bible really uh, compare. And that's how we should all be comparing our motives and our actions according to God's word, not according to uh, the people in the room. And so I think that's going to be a great uh, place for you guys to jump into uh, in your application questions and looking forward to that. 
we have a couple of resources for you guys. We have three. Uh, one you're already reading, so I guess really two here. Uh, Pastor Evan, what, what do we have for them as, in way of resources? Well, one of them, several of you have already read because Pastor Hayden assigned this earlier before we even came out to Calif- mm-hmm. uh, California. We came out to Texas <laughs> from California. Is for, It's a book by Charles Swindoll, Improving Your Serve. Just as a person who is working or even leading, it's making sure you're leading correctly, remembering the greatest of all, the greatest one is going to be the servant of all. And so we're reflecting the leadership of Christ. And so the other one is spiritual leadership by Oswald Sanders. You should already have that. If you don't have one, let us know. We'll order you one. And Pastor Hayden, what's the resource you, uh, you wrote down? Again, I've recommended this resource a couple of times, but if you haven't read it yet, it's a really great uh, volume. It's called The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur. It's really great, especially as we're talking about uh, this do loss curious relationship uh, this book does a really, really good job, even in the first couple chapters, explaining this relationship, and it really will mold your mind to Scripture in this relationship between slaves and masters in a way that it, can, it will really uh, color uh, and complement your understanding of Scripture. And so we, we really want you to read that if, you, uh, if you're looking for another uh, uh, option as far as reading in the next couple of, uh, next couple of weeks. All right, well, we are at chapter four in Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders, and it's entitled Natural and Spiritual Leadership. And so, Pastor Evan, what are we what are we thinking here when we're reading chapter four, this really, really robust, super long chapter, chapter four? Yeah, all long pages of all four pages. <laughs> now, this is, this is making sure that we are keeping in mind that there's going to be natural elements, what a leader might look like in our eyes. But it's mainly focusing on what does the the spiritual leader hold to, and I love page thirty two. Something you should earmark this little the chart between the difference between what a natural leader looks like versus what a spiritual leader looks like, and obviously the spiritual aspect is the one that we want to focus on as Christians to constantly pursue. Yeah, you know, as I've been studying our DBR spotlight for this next week, we're jumping into First Samuel, and when I think of a natural-born leader uh, and someone who has all the characteristics of an amazing leader, I think of Saul. You know, I think, you know, tall, dark, and handsome, everybody thinks he's going to be the greatest king, and I look at these this list of natural traits of a natural-born leader, and I hear self-confident, knows men, makes own decisions, he's ambitious, creates method, enjoys command, seeks personal reward, and independent. I mean, those are all things that Saul was as he was, uh, you know, pointed out and called out to lead Israel. But yet all those things, although even though they made him a great natural leader, he wasn't fit to lead God's people. Uh, these things actually served in, in many ways to be his downfall because he tr- he truly wasn't confident in God. He didn't really know God. He didn't seek the will of God. He definitely wasn't humble. Uh, he didn't follow God's example or delight in obedience. I mean, his biggest problem was he would disobey God and wouldn't submit to God. Uh, and then he didn't love God and others, and he didn't depend on God. And so, you know, this let this be a warning to all of us, you know, who are listening to this podcast and who are leading. Uh, you know, you may be the, the spitting image of a natural-born leader, but that doesn't mean that you're called to be a spiritual leader. And so we got to make sure that we look at these lists, that we, we really look at Scripture, where this list, uh, you know, derives from, and make sure that we are not just gifted naturally, but even for all of us who may not be gifted naturally, we can rest assured that it's the spiritual leadership 
uh, in our lives that's going to win out, and we see that in, uh, in even in the life of David, at least in part of his life where he was following the Lord. And so I think that's a really great place for us to sit in chapter 4, is to ask ourselves the question uh, about our own leadership and our own spiritual leadership, and do we depend on God, and are we working under God's power or our own? And so uh, as we reflect on chapter 4, as you reflect on chapter 4, answer those questions on the back, uh, honestly, transparently, and uh, this week, as I will be, let's be praying uh, that God would uh, reveal to us even in the natural ways that we don't depend on him and help us build into our own lives a dependence on God as we begin exercising our spiritual leadership as life group leaders. We have some announcements. Man, we have a lot of things coming up, uh, but what you need to keep in mind uh, primarily is, is this. In your life group, you are really both a shepherdette that we often say. You are a, you are a cheerleader in many ways, an encourager, uh, a counselor. I mean, you have so many hats on as a life group leader. One of the things that we want to make sure you're doing within all of these things are continually pointing your people to the to the world around them and saying, people need to hear the gospel. People need to be invited to church. People need to hear the gospel to respond to it. Uh, and we get to be those conduits uh, of grace that get to extend out into the community and, and grab people where they are and have them, as we invite them to sit and listen to the gospel, come and listen, and hopefully that God would grab their hearts and their minds, uh, quicken their soul, and have them come to Christ. So all that to say, you need to be inviting people to church, and you need to be inviting people to our Easter weekend service as we look to jump into our new facility. But we want you to make sure every single week and every day that you engage with your your, uh, life groups to say, hey, who have you invited? Who have you invited the church? And use your own uh, experience and testimony of people you've invited to church who who have accepted your invitation and use that as an opportunity to help your people see that people will come to church if you would just invite them. Uh, with that, we have Good Friday service and Easter services coming up, as you know, 5 and 6.30 on Friday and 11 a.m. on Sunday, April 17th. And in all this, we need to pray for the building to be ready. Uh, at this point, like I've told multiple people, uh, we have done everything that we can within our own power, right, to uh, to accomplish this, to make sure everything is done in time. And really, all that's left for us to do is pray. You know, we're really at the end of that. There's work that still needs to be done. There's a permits that need to be uh, handed out. There's inspections that need to be approved. And really, we're at that moment in our in, in a spiritual sense uh, where God's going to have to do everything here that there is to do. And I know we depend on God, but we also work hard for the Lord. And we have really done all the hard work uh, that God has called us to do. And we're, and we're just going to sit, we're going to pray, and we're going to rely and we're going to trust on God. And so if this week you thought about laying out, laying down on your prayer life, uh, it's time to pick it up and let's pray some more because uh, unless God uh, does his thing, uh, we may be looking to do Easter somewhere else. But uh, the encouragement is, God, this is exactly where God wants his people, trusting on him, relying on him. So don't take this as a, a doomsday comment. This is a this is every Christian who ever lived who is faithful to the Lord gets to the place where they say, we've done all we can do. All we can do now is pray. And so I want you to continue praying that God would have us in there by Good Friday and our Easter services. 
And then finally, we have baptisms on May 1st. We have a lot of people who are signing up for baptisms, uh, so continue announcing that. Uh, we're doing baptism meetings. We're giving out the curriculum that we want people to read. We're going over their testimonies to help them articulate and help them feel confident in, in their testimonies. And so continue inviting people and, uh, and asking people to sign up for the baptisms for those people who have been saved and who have not been baptized since then. We want to see more people baptized. We want to see more people saved at Compass, and we are looking forward to exercising uh, this uh, ancient ritual, this uh, th- this one thing uh, out of the two uh, things that we do as a church that say that we're a church. We do the Lord's Supper and we do baptism. So this is one of those things that we take seriously and we're really, really excited for as we're moving forward. All right, family, we're so grateful for you guys, praying for you guys this week as you continue working hard for the Lord. We'll see you soon. <laughs>